we extend a very warm welcome to everybody this morning as we seek again to worship God. And we pray that as we're here, Stornoy Free Church, but as we're aware that the service goes out, and it's a wonderful thing where people are able to share in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray today that we will hear and know his word and his voice. We're going to begin by reading a few verses from Psalm 112. This is from the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 112 from the Scottish Psalter. Praise ye the Lord, the man is blessed that fears the Lord aright. He who in his commandments doth greatly take delight. His seed and offspring powerful shall be the earth upon. Of upright men blessed shall be the generation. Riches and wealth shall ever be within his house and store, and his unspotted righteousness endures for evermore. Unto the upright light doth rise, though he in darkness be, compassionate and merciful and righteous is he. A good man doth his favour show, and doth to others lend. He with discretion his affairs will guide unto the end. Surely there is not anything that ever shall move, the righteous man's memorial shall everlasting prove. Psalm 112. Let us bow in prayer. <clears throat> o Lord, our God, as we bow before you this morning, we pray that we will know uh, your grace and your blessing. We give thanks, Lord, for all that you do for us and all that you are in yourself. And we give thanks, Lord, that you have shown to us so much about who you are, that you indeed have blessed us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We recognize that it could have been so different, but that in your love and in your grace and in your mercy, you have purposed and planned it this way. And so we pray that we will hear you and that we will know you and that we will come to a greater understanding of your ways and your purposes for us. As we journey through this world, it is often a dark world. We are often confused and perplexed by life and by the way that life turns this way and that, by the many events that unfold. And so often we realise that we have no control over so many aspects of life. We believe that even through this virus, it is one of the things that this world has been taught, is that we don't have the control that maybe we thought we had. A lot of people very often felt as masters of their own destiny, but we realise that so often there are twists and turns in life that we could have never foreseen and never even worked out uh, the way it was going to unfold. So we pray, Lord, that we may be willing to submit to your providence and in your providence to discover your grace. And we pray that, above all, your word will be the rule to direct us as we journey through this world, trying to make sense of sometimes things that appear senseless. But the great thing is our faith is able to lay hold upon the fact that God knows, God reigns, God rules, and that you have a purpose in everything. And we give thanks, Lord, that it is so, that we're not here as random objects bouncing about in a sea of fate, but that there is a predetermined plan and purpose in everything. And that gives us so much assurance and such a sense of security uh, as we journey through this world. 
So we pray that we might place our hand in your hand, that that there might be that faith in our heart that would rely upon you, that will lean upon you, that will discover more and more of your love and of your grace and of your mercy and of your truth and of your justice and of your peace. Lord, fill our hearts with yourself and help us, Lord, to look to you. Help us to realise that sin is that great barrier to the enjoyment of fellowship and communion with you. And we confess our sin because so often, Lord, uh, we side with sin, we're drawn into sin, and we find that that sin uh, is such that it that it blights uh, our fellowship, and we do not enjoy the communion uh, that we can, and maybe sometimes we did enjoy. We pray, Lord, then, that you'll bless us today as we wait upon you, bless young and old alike. Give thanks, Lord, for our young people. Give thanks, Lord, for all that they they bring to life and the energy that they bring to life. We pray that you would bless them. And uh, we ask, Lord, that you'd bless them at time of holiday. And we pray to protect as we are so conscious, Lord, of this virus again beginning to spread at an alarming speed. We pray that your protective hand will be upon us. Watch over us here as an island. You have been so gracious to us. May you continue to be so. Remember those in South Uist and Benbecula, those who have been affected by it, and we pray that there be no further development or spread of it, and that that those who have uh, been hit with this virus, that they will all uh, be healed. And we ask, Lord, that you be gracious to them. Be gracious to all, Lord, as uh, hospitals again are beginning to fill up, We pray for those who work on the front line. We give thanks for our NHS and for all our carers in in the homes and in our communities, Lord. We we are so indebted to them for all that they do. And ask, Lord, that you will protect them. Be with our emergency services as well, Lord. We commit uh, police and fire and uh, paramedics and uh, the ambulance staff. We commit uh, lifeboat and the Coast Guard and all those who so often even risk their own lives uh, for the good of others. We commit them to your care and keeping. We ask, Lord, that you will be with those who mourn, whose hearts are heavy and sore, those who are broken. Their lives have been turned upside down. They miss their loved ones so much. Lord, it is so difficult when those who have been so much part of our life, those who have journeyed with us through life, those who have shared with us in life, Lord, we commit them all the grieving hearts to your care and pray Lord that you will bind them up give thanks for the great words the tiny words in scripture but it says Jesus wept probably the shortest verse in scripture but it's a verse that is loaded it's a verse that is full of so much for us so much help so much encouragement that Jesus understands our pains he's been there but no more than that he's able to deal with us in a way that no human heart and no human mind and no human hand can do. And so we ask that you will be with be with each and every one who is broken in heart. Lord, we pray for those who are ill in hospital, in their own homes, undergoing treatment or waiting for it. With all the different illnesses, Lord, we're so conscious of how fragile life is and we pray for healing and restoration. Lord, do us good, we pray, as we wait upon you. Take away your sin in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.
I'm just going to say a wee word to, to the young people. Joshua and I were a grandson. We're down at the pier on, it was on Wednesday. Uh, we went for a, a wee walk. We were walking all round. We walked all round the pier. And uh, for a wee while we were watching uh, some crows and seagulls fighting over, I don't know where they had got the bread, but there was quite a lot of crusts. And they were pulling, one would be pulling from the other. Uh, then we walked on and the tide was really far out. The boats were very low down in the water. So when we reached the steps, there are steps that will take you right down and you can see under the pier. So we, we walked right, right down. And just, we had just turned round and we're starting to come back up. And we both got such a fright because the seal, you know that there's seals here, this seal just came up and just beside us. Poor Joshua had nearly jumped out of his skin and he kept going, we get, he got such a, such a shock about it. So did I. But then we were, we were walking on and I took notice of this boat, a lovely little boat, but it was his name that had struck me. It was a wee blue and white boat, just a, a small, very small boat. Its name was Boy Joshua. And I said to Joshua, look at that boat. I said, that's Joshua. And I kept saying to him, it's Joshua. And he wasn't saying anything. That, that's Joshua. Thank you. And as we turned away, all I heard him say was, silly Papa. And I know Papa is often very silly, but obviously he wasn't understanding uh, what I was saying. But that was the name of the boat. It was called Boy Joshua. And Joshua, in fact, is, is, it's, a, it's a great name. It's a lovely name. Now, we've all got names, and names are very important. I've spoken before about, about names. And I'm sure you, it'd be interesting to find out why you have the name that you have. Uh, are you called after somebody? Or is it because uh, it's a name that their parents liked? I suppose when I look at Joshua, uh, Joshua is Joshua Norman Mackenzie. And uh, on Marie's side, of course, both her grandpas were Norman and her brother is Norman. So her brother is Norman, and so there's Joshua Norman. And Ewan and Marie both liked the name Joshua, so there's Joshua Norman. But you know, there's a name that they liked, and there's a name within the family. But it's that name Joshua that's such a wonderful name. Do you know what it means? It means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah saves and to save somebody is really one of the best things that anybody could ever do. Sometimes you will see people getting a medal because they saved somebody from drowning. Maybe they jumped over the pier and saved somebody who was drowning. Or out of a boat, jumped in and saved somebody who was drowning. Sometimes people have rushed into a, a, a burning, a blazing house and taken somebody out. And they've saved their life. It's the most amazing, wonderful thing to do. Well, Joshua means God, Jehovah, God, is salvation. That, that's what he does. He saves. That's what Jesus does. Remember when Jesus was born, the angel said, his name is going to be called Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. It's a one, wonderful, wonderful name. 
And it's a wonderful thing that, that God has done. The famous Joshua in the Bible, uh, who followed, who took over after Moses, he was the one who led Israel into the land of promise. And he was a picture of what God does. Because Moses, who stood for the law, the law can't save us. The law shows us that we need to be saved. It's Jesus, it is Joshua that takes us into salvation, that saves us. So I hope and I pray that you will ask the Lord Jesus that he will save you. Because that's why he came into this world. That's what he came to do. I want you to do two things. First of all, find out the meaning of your name. What does it mean? And ask also, why was I called what I was called? But I want you to remember this name, Joshua. It is an, it's such a precious, powerful name. And if you've never read about Joshua in the Bible, he was an amazing man. And you read about Joshua and what he did and how he led Israel into the land of promise. But of course, Joshua is pointing us to the Joshua, God of salvation, to Jesus who saves. And I want you to ask Jesus Christ, Lord, will you please save me? And you know what he does when he saves you? He, when he saves you, he'll take you to himself. He'll have a hold of your hand all through your life. He'll keep you close to himself forever. And then when we come to leave this world, he will take you to be with himself in heaven. That is real salvation, real saving. So you ask Jesus that he will do that for you. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to read God's word now from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Reading from the beginning, we're going to read the first 16 verses. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. 
By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out and not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But, as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word. Now I want us this morning to consider uh, what we find in verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken he was commended as having pleased God. And if we were to read the little account that there is given to us in Genesis uh, chapter 5 of Enoch, it tells us uh, very very simply, when Enoch had lived for 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And that's what it tells us here, that God had taken him, that he should not see. Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. How's your faith? That's a question that we ask one another, or we should be asking one another, but it's a question that we should actually ask of ourselves as well. How's my faith? How, how am I doing in the faith? Because Scripture tells us that we are to examine ourselves. That's what we're told, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. That's a very, very important thing, because at the end of the day, the all-important thing that you must have in your life and I must have in my life is faith. Because it tells us, it told us in that chapter that we read there, that without faith it is impossible to please God. Now that's a sobering statement. Irrespective of what we may be or do in this life, if we don't have faith, we cannot please God. That's what it tells us. Now, <clears throat> In this epistle, uh, among many other things, uh, we find there's a, a great emphasis 
upon the importance of faith, of having clear and strong faith. Hebrews chapter 3 is a clear warning against growing unbelief because uh, it goes on to show us the, the terrible danger that unbelief poses to our life and gives the example of Israel. Because Israel, God, remember God had taken Israel out of Egypt. He was taking them to Canaan, to the land of promise. And they ended up spending 40 years, 40 years between leaving Egypt and getting into the land of promise because of unbelief. If they had exercised faith and they had walked with God, they would have been in Egypt probably within a year. With, sorry, in Canaan, probably within a year. But it took 40 years, and that was because of their growing unbelief. In the previous chapter, in verse 23, it tells us, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And again, we're told that, uh, in verse 38, that true faith keeps going. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back, but of those who have faith and uh, uh, preserve their souls. So you see, the great evidence of faith, of continuing faith, is just that, that you keep in going. And I don't know how long you've been following the Lord, but the fact that you're still following is evidence of the reality of your faith. Because as you look back over your life, you can see many things that from a human level could have caused utter shipwreck in your life. You can see how easily you could have been derailed, how you could have just gone. And you would be away living as you used to before you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're not. And despite all the knocks and all the bans and all the difficulties and all the trials and troubles and all the depressions and all the dangers and all the sorrows that have come into your life, you're still following the Lord. Why? Because this is real. It is genuine faith. Now, we have a definition of faith at the beginning. We have an assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, faith makes things that we don't see as certain and real to us as the things that we do see. We are as absolutely you today as a Christian, I today as a Christian. Although we've never seen heaven, we've never seen the glory that lies beyond, we are as persuaded of it as we are of what is happening around us right now. That's what faith does. It brings what we can't see into the reality of where we are and fully accepting it. It's wonderful. And that's how we live as Christians. You see, it's by faith that we accept uh, the truth of God's word. It's by faith that we come to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. It's by faith that we believe that the world was created by God. That's what we're told in verse 2. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. It's by faith we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. It's by faith we believe that the Lord Jesus hears our cry when we call to him. It's by faith that we believe in the resurrection of the dead. 
the unbelieving world, by and large, does not believe in the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of them don't believe in him anyway, but they don't believe in his, in the second coming. In fact, uh, Peter tells us that in the last days, there will be mockers and scoffers and they'll be saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where's the fulfillment? But you and I know one day he's going to come. And the sharper our eye of faith, the more that we will be looking out for that day. In fact, it's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are you today thinking that maybe it could be today that the Lord Jesus Christ returns? We don't know. Not even the angels in heaven know when that will be. But one day that event is going to take place. And when we read through this chapter, we read through about all these great men and women of long ago, and they were all noted for their faith. Now, it's not a complete list, but they're noted because of their faith. And we're told that these exercised great faith and received a good report. Now, while there are, as we say, there are many names listed in this role of honour, this role of honour of faith, as it were, there's this man, Enoch, and very little is told us about him in the Bible. Uh, as we said, we read from Genesis chapter 5 and uh, just highlighted there very simply, it tells us that Enoch walked with God and God took him. Not very simply, God took him. Now, it's very interesting when you read Genesis 5. Now, uh, Mr. McKeever uh, on Wednesday evening was uh, looking at Genesis 4, the, the, the aftermath of the fall and uh, what, 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 what happened looking both down the line from, from Abel and Seth and also the line of Cain. And one of the things that strikes you when you come into Genesis chapter 5 is it's kind of a, like a family tree or genealogies and it's giving the generations. And of course they lived, uh, before the flood, they lived for a long, long time. But irrespective of how long they lived, it, Genesis 5 is full of names and numbers. Names of people and the length of time that they lived. But it also tells us, and they died. They all died, irrespective of how long they lived. Methuselah nearly lived a thousand years, 969 years, but he died. And that's what's going to happen unless the Lord Jesus returns first. It's a solemn reminder to us that uh, irrespective of how long we live, that at the end of the day, there will be death. But Genesis uh, 4, and that, that whole part, is, is very interesting because it, it's there that we begin to see the development of uh, uh, sort of like musical instruments and just various sort of things, uh, uh, achievements and building and all the rest of it. And it tells us... Uh, how many of the things in this world began. But you know, at the end of the day, whatever our achievements may be, and don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling the many great achievements that people achieve in this world. If we don't achieve salvation, if we don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour, you know this, we've got nothing. We really have nothing. Because we enter death alone and into the great eternity alone separate from God. And that is, a, that is a picture that is too awful to contemplate. 
to be without God and without hope in this world ends up an eternity without God. So irrespective of what we achieve, let us make sure that the achievement of our life is that, we've, that we seek the Lord with all our heart. Now, uh, as we read through and see about Enoch, who were told uh, in Jude, I think it is, that he was the seventh from Adam, there are three things really that strike us just in mentioning that at the age of 65, he became the father of Methuselah, who we mentioned was the oldest man who ever lived 969 years. Enoch was also known for his godliness, and Enoch was known as only one of two men that never died. Now, one of the things as you read through Genesis 4, 5 and 6 is that the world was becoming, uh, it was becoming every year and every generation, it was becoming worse and worse and worse. And it, in fact, it got so bad by the end that by the time it came to, to Noah, that the Lord, this is what, what, that the Lord had said, that the wickedness of man was great in the, in the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Everything, every thought was evil. Everything. You know, if ever there is a, an argument against evolution and our evolving into better people, it is a sin of the human heart. You would say that by now, as we are here in the year 2020, that surely we would have learned to live with one another, that the whole world would now be in peace and in harmony it's anything but. It is constantly war and rumour of war. There is hatred, there is bitterness, there is violence. It's, there's no change. The world that was spiralling out of control against God, when he eventually came in judgment against it because there was only one family that he could find in the whole earth that Noah alone found grace in his sight. And Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives were saved from the flood. That's how low it had become. But we've seen that the world is, we've seen this constant, as it were, spiralling downwards and downwards and downwards, away from God. And when we push God out, it's inevitable that it's just debauchery and corruption that comes in its wake. But the amazing thing is that God will always have his witness. And he had his witness back then. And so we have Enoch was a living witness. Noah was a living witness in his day as well. Irrespective of how low the cause goes, God will have his people who are living witnesses and testifying to the grace of God. And you know, the, the holier a person becomes in their life and the more Christ-like they become, the more powerful that witness is. Now, you don't become holier and Christ-like by being self-righteous. It is allowing God to work in you and through you. It is seeking that the Lord Jesus will, through his Holy Spirit, transform your life. And that through that transformation, that your life will speak and witness and testify 
to other people. That's the way it works. Not that we ourselves, it's not a, It's not that we're saying, all right, I'm going to be a good witness here. Allowing the Lord to work through us. Now it's also interesting, before we actually focus on Enoch as such, that there was another Enoch in, in, in Genesis chapter 4. And this one, this Enoch was descended from Cain. And as like a lot of people, they wanted their name to be remembered. And so he built a city in order that his name would be remembered. The funny thing is that that city was destroyed in the flood. And unless we really, with a fine-tooth comb, go through Genesis 4, we won't know of this Enoch. But the other Enoch, who didn't go out to make a name for himself, his name is remembered. Because God, God has witnessed in his word of the, this wonderful man, that he actually pleased God. And God took him. And you know, this is the amazing thing, is that many of those who tried to make a name for themselves are well and truly forgotten. But those who have tried to live in order to make a name for the Lord, the Lord has seen fit to keep their name going. That's what we read about in Psalm 112. The righteous man's memorial shall everlasting prove. So we're told of uh, Enoch, that he pleased God. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonderful to have in your gravestone? You could have put on Abraham's gravestone, a friend of God. Isn't that wonderful? You could have put on David's gravestone, he, uh, a man after God's own heart. You could have put on Daniel's gravestone, beloved of God. Of course, Enoch didn't have a gravestone. But... What was his great testimony is that he pleased God. And how did Enoch please God? Well, very simply, that he walked with God. Now, when we walk, when we walk anywhere, we're going somewhere. And it's very obvious that Enoch was somebody who was walking on earth, but he was walking towards heaven. Heaven was his aim. Heaven was his goal. And that's how every Christian ought to be walking as well, that we're walking with God. So Enoch was walking to glory. And he walked so clearly and he walked so closely with God that one day God just took him. And Enoch was no more in this world at all. Enoch was a man who was living for another world and one day God just took him to that other world. And you know, you and I must remember that we are simply pilgrims. That's what the Bible tells us, that we're pilgrims and strangers in this world. And yes, we, we live in this world and we have a right to enjoy life as we go through it and enjoy all the different things that happen in life and the blessings that come into our life. Of course we do. And we'd be wrong to, to try and live in a way where we don't enjoy anything. Go through the Bible and it's very clear and many of the Old Testament saints, they lived life to the full. But their focus was always upon the Lord. And they hung loosely to the things of this world. And so must you and I. That the things in this world, while there are many great blessings and things to enjoy, they're always, we've got to hang loose to them because they are not the number one priority. God is. And let us also remember this, that the Bible tells us that we are being saved 
from this present evil world. So that when we are saved, we're saved from this world because we're told that this world is going to melt with fervent heat. It's going to burn up everything in it. So that's why it's mad to give all our time and all our attention and all our energy and all our resources and all our money and everything simply to what, is, what we're going to have to leave behind and is eventually going to be destroyed. And that's why we must hang loosely to these things. Yes, have them. Yes, enjoy it. Enjoy everything. But remember that it is only for a time. What is forever and what lasts forever is our relationship with the Lord. And so this is what we ought to pursue more and more as we journey through life. And so uh, we find that the moment that we're born again, we begin to walk. We walk with God and we walk towards the heavenly city. And whenever we walk with God, that's where God is taking us. The two go together. The moment we're saved, we begin to walk with God. And as we walk with God, we're beginning to journey to that heavenly city. And the Christian alone knows the way. Not that we know Everything that's going to take place, but we know that the way is in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. And the moment we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we know that we're in the right way. That he knows the way because he is the way. And so as we walk through this world, we walk with our eyes fixed upon Jesus. And we walk, let's say this, we walk looking to the Lord as our master. He calls the shots, as it were. He is our master, we are the servant. And we will say, Lord, I will, I will do what you ask me. Remember when Paul was converted, Saul? And he says, Lord, what will you have me to do? And that's a cry that comes from every heart once we come to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, what will you have me to do? And we know that whatever uh, that God's commands are right, so he is our master, so that we walk with him as our master. We also walk with him as our king. He is the ruler of our life. We are subject to him, and we're happy with that rule in our life. We've said it before, the biggest problem with regard to uh, faith in Jesus Christ is people are not prepared to have another ruler in their own heart. They want to rule. I want to be in charge of my life. I do not want someone else dictating to me how I must live. That's a problem. But when we come to faith, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are actually happy for that to happen. Lord, will you take my life? Because I, I, can't, I can't deal with this anymore myself. I don't know the way. I don't know what to do. Lord, I'm making a mess of my life. You have to take over. That's what faith does, comes to the Lord and is willing that the Lord will become king and ruler in our life. But we don't only walk with the Lord as our master and our king, but also as a bridegroom. It's a walk of love. Where the two, where the, can two walk together except that I agree? You don't go meet somebody, you don't see somebody coming off the ferry or off the plane and say, hey, can I go for a walk with you? They would think, well, oh, who's this? You don't go walking with a stranger. You walk with someone that you know and someone that you love. 
And that's, that's what the Lord is doing with us. And remember this. Always remember. The Lord wants to walk with us more than we want to walk with him. If you and I today could see just how much the Lord is wanting us to be walking with him. Because we, his people, are his delight, his portion in this world. And we sometimes forget that. Back before the fall, Adam walked with God. The moment the fall came, Adam ran away from God. He no longer wanted to walk with God. He was scared. But you know, that's where the Lord finds us. When Jesus, who has come to seek and to save, he finds us running away. But he has come to seek and to save. And the moment that we're saved, we begin again to walk with the Lord. And as we said, we walk, when we begin to walk with the Lord, we're walking to glory. And so we walk, as we said, we're walking through this world every single day. And as the scripture says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And you see, that's what happens when we become Christians. We agree with what God says. Before that, we didn't. We would pick and choose what we might want to agree with the Bible. But we weren't in agreement with God. But once we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we come into agreement. However, it's very important as believers that we are careful in our walk because we cannot enjoy the intimacy and the fellowship with the Lord if we're living in sin. If we are, if, our, if, if we're, and of course we're sinners, but if we're living in active disobedience to the Lord, if our lives are daily living in active disobedience to the Lord, we cannot enjoy communion and fellowship with Him. It doesn't work. And so it's important that we'd, we're, we're seeking to, to walk in a right way, in a pure way, in an honest way before God. And walking with God means that we're walking all the time. Not just on a Sunday or on a certain time through the week, but all the time. Walking with God is that we have a vision of God with us. That we're seeking to have his presence with us all the time. We're seeking to have a spirit of worship every day. And that's important. And we should be seeing God's hand. Ask the Lord, Lord, may I see your hand in everything. Give me the spirit of adoration, the spirit of praise, spirit of worship. Asking Lord for forgiveness, for direction, to be praying for others. That there's this constant interaction between heaven and earth. And that's part and partial of our lives. Not in a showy way. Can't do it in a showy way. If we're doing a showy way, that's not walking with God. This is privately, this is how we, how we live. And if we do that, then we're, we are walking with God. And so this idea of living, and so there, we must be much in prayer and much in the word. So Enoch walked with God and one day he wasn't because God took him. Now, I don't know whether God revealed to someone in his family what had happened or whether somebody in his family saw in the way that Eli Elisha was able to see Elijah being taken. But anyway, God has made it known that he just took Enoch. And Enoch is only one of two that have ever been taken out of this world without dying. 
We will all die unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns first. And what I would, what a day that will be. I often try and think, imagine, imagine what it would be like. Everybody will be going about, their work is normal, and then all of a sudden the Lord will return. For those who are alive when the Lord returns, they don't see death. For all the believers, they will be taken up to meet the Lord in the air. The graves will be opened and the bodies will rise to be reunited with the soul and glory. But you know, the wonderful thing about Enoch being taken is that there, were, there are three people in glory with their bodies. And the first of those was Enoch. And he was taken in the period from the beginning of the world to the flood when the world was destroyed completely. But Enoch remained in glory with a body. And then the next period was from the flood to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Elijah was taken. And then the other one in the body, in glory, of course, is our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in each of these periods in life, before the flood, after the flood, and in gospel times, there is somebody there in glory with a body, assuring the saints in glory that they too will one day be clothed in, with their bodies as well. It'll be wonderful. Perfect bodies. That'll fit perfect souls. What a day. Only faith can lay hold on that, can accept that, can understand it, can believe it. What a hope. Are you walking today with the Lord? If not, it's time to start. Because surely you want at the end of the day to go to be with the Lord. Well, if you want to go to be with the Lord, begin by walking with him. And today is the perfect opportunity to begin that walk. We're going to conclude singing from Psalm 22 and sing Psalms. Psalm 22 and sing Psalms from verse 27. The whole earth will remember him and turn towards the Lord their God. All peoples will bow down to him, the nations of the world abroad. Dominion to the Lord belongs, and over nations he is king. The rich of all the earth will feast and worship with an offering. And so on uh, to verse 31. The whole earth will remember him and turn towards the Lord their God. All peoples will bow down to him, the nations of the world abroad. Dominion to the Lord belongs, and over nations he is king. The rich of all the earth will feast and worship with an offering, and worship with an offering. All those whose destiny is dust will humbly kneel before his throne. They cannot keep themselves alive, for they depend on him.
mercy and peace of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. Please join again this evening if you're able to uh, the evening service at half past six and that service will be conducted by the Reverend James McKeever.